Hello, hello, hello. This is Douglin Murray Schmidt with the third installment of the first series of Douglin's Current. How's everybody doing? Well, I hope. At this point in time, as I'm making this recording, we're running into the holiday season. Thanksgiving's in a few days, and Christmas, of course, is around the corner. I'm a bit unsettled, though. I think, ultimately, COVID's still underneath the surface everywhere, and it's uh, making me a little bit uncomfortable. But we'll get back to COVID in a minute. I'm going to start by saying that this is going to feel more like a stream of consciousness all over the place podcast, (coughs) as opposed to a terribly organized thing. So bear with me on this one. It's just kind of how my life has been flowing recently. So I wanted to start out with some concepts that I'm in the process of defining or want to learn about more as they've come across my consciousness as I read through the news and uh, am in this thing called life. Cancel culture. What is cancel culture? So I looked it up online and the Merriam-Webster definition on merriam is essentially the mass withdrawal of support from public figures or celebrities who have done things that aren't socially accepted today. And parenthetically, this happens mostly on social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So that's cancel culture. And I'm I'm just trying to figure out the relevance of, of something like cancel culture. Of course, I understand... I guess it's efficacy when it works, it can snub out or blot out maybe an important message or messages from an important person, um, especially for political means from one side or the other. So I think that's the whole idea with cancel culture. Um, Trying to decide whether it's good or bad. Probably bad. (laughs) So many things these days kind of feel like they tilt towards the bad, don't they? All right, the next one is woke. This one I haven't looked into at all, so I need some help on this. What What is woke? And if you want to respond and answer this question, you could go to DouglasCurrent at gmail.com and answer an email. D-O-U-G-L-I-N-S-C-U-R-R-E-N-T at gmail.com. I think you can respond on Anchor. There's a way to respond with a message. I don't know if that's written or in voice, but either one I'd be welcome to to hear from you. Or on Facebook, either under Douglas Murray Schmidt, or there might be a Douglas Current page. I'm still in process with this whole thing, so bear with me. It'll tighten up over the next several years. (laughs) That's just how I roll, baby. Okay, so... uh, The next one, I I have a better sense of neoliberalism, which essentially is the idea that it's a concept where one believes that unfettered capitalism is, is the best, or it is unfettered capitalism, and what happens with neoliberalism is the 
eventual result of it is the 1% versus the 99% or the the whole thing where, you know, eight trillionaires have the same amount of wealth as 50% of the world population kind of thing. That's what neoliberalism creates. It's corp- corporate companies, um, industry, um, creating systems through governments and legal systems that allow wealth not to be spread evenly, but to be <clears throat> to be uh, filtered, trickle up, as it were. Trickle up economy, that's what that is, uh, essentially. I think I just coined that. Um, touched on the basic infrastructure bill, the, the original, the first one passed, which I'm thankful it did. Uh, we've got to get our roads and bridges, bridges rebuilt and water, safe water to everybody. Uh, I've spoke on that on the last podcast. So that's passed. Now they're battling in Congress with regards to <coughs> Build Back Better, which is basically an argument from the right that it's all about socialism and from the left that it's about taking care of people. So you decide where you stand on that. Um, I'm not going to touch that right now with my opinions, but that's that. Uh, money zero sum. Reality is not. I'll be touching on this a lot more when I dig into money more and more, but I've been studying books both on what money is philosophically in our world and practically how one should and could and can invest to, to create a better situation for themselves in a fiduciary sense. The reason that money appears to be a zero-sum game is that there is only one amount of currency at any particular time that's floating around, let's say, in the world. Let's say of, let's say of U.S. bills. A particular bunch of it is produced, and that's all there is. And so if someone hoards all of that, a lot of people don't have it. But in reality, we are not in a zero-sum situation because so much of our money is dealt through electronic currency. It's just digits, literally digits in a computer data bank. So that's one reason it's not. And then when I look at life from a spiritual economic vantage point. I tend to look at things philosophically, spiritually, and how it relates to the actual physics of reality. This is a big, big topic. It can go into the reverse uh, iceberg, the one that sticks, the big part sticks out into the sky and the little parts floating, which is actually impossible. But look at it that way that's kind of what I'm talking about that <clears throat> was talking actually to my mom earlier about this if I have purchased something and let's say that for whatever reason I either don't pick it up or decide not to return it for a refund and allow that money to just go and don't try to hold on to that let's say it's fifty dollars worth then I've forgiven that debt to myself or the debt someone owes me or I feel they do. And what's that? what that's doing actually is shifting the 
genetics and physics in my own body and I'm, I'm restructuring my what I'm going to call an energy prism. And by restructuring that, I'm allowing the infinite cycled kind of this spherically circular type energy that's flowing in the universe that's infinite to hit my my energy prism, my, my body that I've that I've um, created into this particular structure in a more open way. It's about openness. My mom said it too. It's it's about it's about being open. And so it's a very kind of abstract thing I'm talking about, but practically it, it has to make sense uh, because it does to me. The so this infinite energy is hitting my prism, and so my energy <coughs> energy prism, my body, and the light can be split up much more strongly, more either more in more division, more comes to and through me, comes through me from coming to me because my genetic structure and physical structure is changed because I've opened myself up. So that it either is more divisive, there's more that comes out of it, and or it's a brighter color. And I say these things metaphorically because, well, I guess it could be light. I mean, our bodies are, they say, does radiate some amount of light, even though we can't see it in, with our own eyes because of the spectrum that our eyes are only capable of seeing. But uh, so, so that's another way where money is not a zero-sum thing. It's actually just the opposite. It's an infinity-sum thing. Infinity, S-U-M, thing. So, kind of my overall goal would be to share with people about these ideas of money where <coughs> we look at the structure of how physics work and how, therefore, abundance and prosperity actually can, can operate and we can manifest in our lives in a way where we aren't trapped by limiting thoughts um you know new age stuff but it works it actually really works if one decides to let go in this way so those were the first set of my notes and let's continue here i had the opportunity and i might have shared this in one of the last podcasts to start a new job um, and quit it pretty quickly but it taught me some things about uh, venturing into new jobs or new, maybe relationships, new situations, dot, dot, dot. More, more about new jobs because um, it, it's more quantifiable as far as the, the qualities and the variables and all of that. I started to look at what are the factors for new ventures and jobs. And number one was a, what I call a money time equation. The amount of pay per hour, literally, has to make sense uh, based on where one is in life. Let's say that you're just out of high school and don't have a college degree. Well, you can't necessarily expect to make $25, $30 an hour at this particular time. But if you've been in the workforce for 30 or 40 years, regardless of what you get yourself into, you should have come up to a point where your, your time at its sheer level is worth oh, much over 
what would be a normal minimum wage, and that's a whole other discussion. Our minimum wage shouldn't be seven twenty-five, uh, based on just the overall equation. But let's say it's fifteen an hour, just for sake of argument. Well, if I've been working in the workforce for that long, regardless again of the work that I'm getting, it should be based on just my overall experience of going to work every day and and how to be in a work environment and dot dot dot. Uh, should be much more than that. So the money-time equation must be looked at. Um, enjoyment. Uh, this gets a little dicey because one should at least like the work so it isn't just an absolute tedium to get up and go to it. You don't necessarily have to love the work if it is simply to earn a paycheck and pay for bills if he or she has his passion on the outside, you know, painting pictures at night or you know, working on their car in the garage over the weekend or whatever that is just for pure joy. If that kind of work isn't in the the vocation to earn the money, then the work that one does to pay for just the basics to get onto their passion should at least be liked. Because if you don't like the basic work you're doing, then all the time will be just just absolutely laborious, and that's not necessary. Uh, another thing is the... Um, the team at the the job, again, whether you like the work or not so much, if the team is rel- relatively positive and doesn't strip one down at the soul level, emotion, spiritual level, too much, then that's a plus. Uh, the amount of stress is another one. Uh, again, that kind of ties into the money-time equation. Uh, should should be part of that. If, let's say, you're earning $40 an hour and the stress is pretty high, that that's all right, but if you're if you're closer to your fifteen twenty dollars an hour and it's a high amount of stress, then that's not good in that equation. And then long term goals. There's a requirement there that the work either feeds into the basic like spiritual building, foundational building, psychological foundational building, um, how to get along with people, foundational building, more actual. Work if if one wants to become the vice president of a bank, well, sure, start as a teller and work your way up because that is the long term goal. But if it's just to earn the cash, then those financial long term goals outside of the the job need to really be identified and locked down. That makes going to work also much more enjoyable, knowing that the money that you're you're gleaning from that, aside from all of the the intangibles of spiritual and psychological and personality growth are adding to a fiduciary future. So those were factors for a new venture or new job that I had thought of going through that process of starting and very quickly quitting a job. Uh, Within the last, I think, two months, three months I did that. So, And we are out of time. I have so much more to talk about, but look forward to sharing that with you on the next round. So, as I leave you, I will tell you to have a good time, do what's right, and let's just work together. This has been Douglas Murray Schmidt. Peace and love. Bye-bye.